Navy veteran Peter Mann is the CEO and founder of Virginia-based Aranzi, a leading air purification company known for its efficient, intuitive, and reliable products for consumers, schools, organizations, and businesses. Coming up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Partner up with Navy Federal Credit Union to pay down credit card debt. You can get a low intro APR on balance transfers with their platinum credit card. It's their lowest rate card, and it's a great tool to pay down debt. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. All right, we're talking with Navy veteran Peter Mann, CEO and founder of Aranzi, which is a leading air purification company. So, Peter, um, thanks for being here today. Looking forward to hearing your entrepreneurial success story. Before we do all that, take us back. Tell us what you did in the Navy. Sure. Yeah. So I, I went to um, college on a Navy ROTC scholarship. So, you know, I knew going to college that I had a job when I got out. And, um, you know, I think for the first six, maybe not six months, four to six months was in Newport, Rhode Island, just for some uh, Navy officer training. And then um, I was assigned to the USS McCandless out of Norfolk, Virginia. Um, And so the first couple of years I was um, communications officer and then I was gunnery officer. So we're, uh, um, you know, a frigate. Um, yeah. Cool. And so, it, you know, my career was really just the four years that I was required to serve. And, um, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot of conversations that were like, do you, you know, are you going to make a career out of it or are you going to, you going to get out? And that was kind of, at least at that time, um, kind of what, what the conversation was. And so I decided mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of head into the business world. And so, um, kind of, I, I did, you know, the required, required time and then, you know, and then moved on. Yeah. Well, what was your transition like? Did you have a good idea what you're going to be doing or did you land a job right away? No. So I was, you know, I got out in the nineties and, you know, I think, I think things changed after nine 11, you know, in terms of, you know, military service, you know, I recall, you know, getting out in the nineties and they're like, you know, meeting or interviewing with companies and they would be like, uh, your military experience, how is that relevant, you know, to working in this company. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, you know, for me, it was, gosh, it was really just relying on my college degree um, because the Navy and military experience at that time didn't really translate. It wasn't valued kind of like it is now. Yeah, it was a different time, even though it really wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Yeah, there's still a lot of companies that um, talk about the difference between hard skills and soft skills. Like um, companies hire based off of hard skills, but they really appreciate what you do based off your soft skills. And so if you, I need you to have an MBA, you got to have your CPA, your Six Sigma, whatever other, uh, you know, three or four letter abbreviations at the end of your name kind of stuff. Those are like hard identifiable skills, but the military folks shine in the soft skill area. I mean, even four years in the Navy on a frigate, um, sometimes I think, Navy surface warfare officers are some of the hardest working people in the Navy. I can only, I know what you guys go through and, uh, you know, phenomenally dealing with people and leadership and everything else. And so 
a lot of, you know, the, the trend has definitely come around uh, that appreciates what, what folks in the military do and what they bring to the table in, in the corporate world. So, so what, what ended up happening with that? Um, you got out, things weren't going too well, struggling. What, what was going on after that? Yeah. I mean, it, it took me, I don't know, maybe four months to, to find a job. It was just the um, interviews were a little bit of a challenge just because it was hard to translate the experience. Um, but I think it was phenomenal experience because you're, you know, I was like 21, I think when I started yeah. and you're, you know, managing a group of people, um, you know, being sent to a war zone <laughs> in the Middle East. Right. And so, and, and trying to, you know, um, translate that to, you know, you know, working in a, a corporate and uh, office environment. Um, but I did, I did land a job and it was, you know, really just uh, more relying on my, um, um, you know, degree in math and statistics. Although, you know, about a year later, it was the management experience from the Navy really helped me get, you know, move to a, a much larger fortune 100 tech company and start to manage people and lead a team. And so that's kind of when it all came together for me. I just had to wait about 18 months, you know, and, you know, put in about 14 or 15 months to get corporate experience, you know, but then it, in the end, it all came together. It just kind of had to almost take a step back to get that first job, to get that experience. And then, you know, I really leveraged um, what I'd learned um, to, you know, propel me forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, classic story where you got hired based off of your hard skills, your degree, but ultimately in 18 months based off your soft skills and, uh, experiences from the military, you were, you were along your way. So it's a good stopping point. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's a new year. And for some of us, we may have spent a little too much over the holidays. Navy Federal Credit Union can help you pay down that credit card debt. You could get a low intro APR and balance transfers with their platinum credit card. It's their lowest rate card, and it's a great tool to pay down debt. Navy Federal can even help you get started on your next home improvement project. They offer a home equity line of credit with convenient access to funds when you need them at a variable rate. You can also get a fixed rate equity loan that has set monthly payments for large purchases. Consolidating debt with a home equity loan could also streamline and lower your monthly payments. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Our members are the mission. Navy Federal is federally insured. Equal housing lending, membership required, loans subject to approval. Call 1-888-842-6328 for details about credit costs and terms. HELOC APR is low as 6.5% as of November 23rd. Hey, listen up. I've been wearing my new tactical shorts from 10,000 during my workouts lately, and it's to the point now that I won't wear any other shorts during my outdoor runs and workouts. Why? Because this new training gear by 10,000 is so comfortable so functional, it's like you're not wearing anything. That's what you want, right? Focus on your workout, not your gear. The Tactical Shorts from 10,000 has cracked the code somehow. I'm sweating my ass off in the Tactical Shorts, wick the sweat away with zero rubbing or hot spots, and come out smelling like a rose, making them truly as comfortable as they are functional. I've had some serious rashes and blisters from wearing bad gear in the Marine Corps and since I've been out of the Marine Corps. So I have a true appreciation for how good these tactical shorts really are. No BS. 10,000 works with top strength and endurance athletes to co-design, test, and develop their gear so you know it's heavily vetted 
before they show up at your door. Gear up now and get 15% off your purchase. Go to 10,000.cc and enter the code VETERAN. That's T-E-N-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D dot C-C and enter the code VETERAN to get 15% off. They offer free shipping, free returns, and lifetime guarantee. Now get off your ass and get the highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable training shorts you've ever worn from 10,000. All right, back to with Navy veteran Peter Mann, CEO and founder of Aranzi. So at this point, you've moved on to a, a better corporate America job and um, things are going well for you, figuring out, figuring out the, the business side of things on the civilian world. Um, what were the next few steps in, uh, that went in, in your career and ultimately how you ended up uh, getting into this entrepreneurship thing? Sure. So I, I spent, you know, nine or 10 years working at two uh, Fortune 100 tech companies and moved my way up to senior manager, director level. I uh, did a lot of operations in marketing. Um, in college, I didn't take any business classes. <laughs> I was like, I didn't really feel qualified to start a business. Uh-huh. Um, but that really was, in effect, my MBA and um, the dot com bubble burst. And that was really the motivation to just make the leap and and start a business. And so at that time I was working at Dell and, you know, I, I, I worked at Dell. That was my day job. And then from 7 PM to 11 PM was, you know, the startup e-commerce business that I, I did with another guy. And that took um, six, seven months to really get to where, you know, like this is a real thing. Um, I didn't want to just, um, you know, quit the job and then jump into a startup with no startup experience, you know, right. um, no, I've you know never built a business before. And I'm like, I, I want to have some degree of confidence that this thing's going to work. And I'd rather just put in the extra hours at night and on weekends um, to just kind of, you know, kind of float it and see if it works. And mm-hmm. it, you know, at that time it, it worked well because, you know, Google was new and, you can advertise for five cents a click. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was a days. different time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like those days are gone, but you know, there's new things now it's, you know, there's, you know, AI, there's, you know, um, TikTok and YouTube shorts and, um, it, you know, things continue to evolve and it's just really, um, understanding the marketplace and understanding, um, you know, where the opportunities are. Yeah. So eventually you started your, your e-commerce business and were successful in that. Yeah. So, you know, we grew it from zero to maybe 14 million. And then I sold my half to my business partner, um, 2009. And then I started Aronsi with, with those funds. And so it was kind of, uh, you know, I, you know, if you went back to my Navy days, I would have no idea that I would even be starting a business or running a company. It didn't even seem in the cards for me. But, you know, if you, you kind of, you know, for me, it was about getting confidence and just seeing, you know, where I can be successful. And, um, yeah, and it, you know, kind of worked out. It just took, just took time. It's not something that happens overnight. Yeah. So where did the idea for Aranzi come from air purification? Yeah. So that was, so the e-commerce business, we sold a number of different products and that was one of the products that we sold. And uh, my son had asthma as a child that I really didn't know anything about air quality, but, you know, I saw the air he was breathing directly influenced his quality of life. And that's really became, you know, a motivator for me to try and find solutions that were better, you know, seemed to be a, you know, 
um, an area that really wasn't being touched. And, you know, now with COVID it's, everything's changed. It's, it's a completely different, <laughs> different world in terms of air quality awareness. Oh yeah. Wow. And so what were some of the beginning steps? Talk to us about like, okay, you, you, you sell out from a, a successful e-commerce business and you're, you're going to zero in on a few of the products that you knew were successfully sold. Did you start off just selling those particular products or were you, did you immediately start in creating your own and manufacturing your own? Yeah. So when I started, I really didn't have enough money to manufacture, um, you know, it, you know, internally, but I did have relationships and, and went to some trade shows and met with some contract manufacturers. Um, and at that time, a lot of the work was being done in China and, and it still is. Um, and so I, you know, would fly over there, attend the big, trade shows, look at the products and, you know, kind of talk with some folks about uh, making some changes or, or um, tweaking it to, to what I wanted. So I didn't really have to invest much in terms of the development. It was really just a way to get started. And then, you know, as things progress, then it's like, no, we want to completely redesign something from the ground up, you know, and that takes a lot more money and, and time um, and skills, but, you know, I know, you know, it's a better, it's, really leads to, you know, kind of better results or getting exactly what you want. Cause it's, you know, it's a fairly high tech product, even though it may, it may not look like it. Um, but it, it's really not that difficult to, you know, um, get started if you can, you know, really find a factory, but it, you know, it takes time to go out and vet the folks, make sure who you're working with is, you know, it's legitimate. Right. And so that's kind of what I, I did in the early days is just kind of build the the foundation of the groundwork. And at that time also, you know, I don't know if you've read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. Oh yeah. I love that book. Where he, <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, huh, well maybe I can build it like that as more of like a lifestyle brand or something like that. And, you know, and so I outsourced pretty much everything but customer service, you know, and yeah. as the, you know, next, 10, 12 years have gone on. I've kind of gradually brought all those outsourced pieces in house, but you know, it's another way to get started um, where you can, can't really afford someone that's, you know, full-time working person or, you know, doing different aspects of, you know, marketing or fulfillment, but you can outsource that um, as a way of getting started and getting pretty good talent at a, at a lower price, but eventually it doesn't scale um, eventually you kind of need to bring those pieces in house because, um, you know, the costs just, you know, it, it just, the math doesn't work right, um, to continue to, to spend there. But it, it's for me in, in terms of getting started, just, I kind of cobbled together a number of different agencies just to have all the pieces that you need for a, you know, proper company. Yeah. So it's easier to go out and hire temp help or hire other companies or people to do things for you instead of, uh, an employee is a very big commitment for a young business owner. Yeah. There's a responsibility there for them kind of their family benefits. Um, you know, it's, that's the other thing is like, you know, we have to provide healthcare. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, and as a, as a, you know, I was in the Navy, it's like the, the health benefits were great. Everything is super cheap. And then you get out in the real world and it's like, you know, the health premiums aren't the same for a, a startup as they are for a big company. You know, I was at a fortune at Dell and um, it was like really cheap. 
for really good health insurance. And, but if you have, you know, five people or 10 people, it's, it's, it's a different game. It's yeah. just not, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not fair, but it's, it's the way it is. Yeah. So when you first started Aranzi, talk about some of the, some of the early days and what the volume you were doing. And then, um, you know, how were you able to grow? Was it, was it, uh, was it, was it a marketing, a phenomenal marketing plan? You had some corporate marketing experience was what was it, or was it the quality of the product or just the, the timing, of, the timing of the market? Yeah. So for me, when I was at Dell, you know, part of my job was developing functionality for Dell.com. And so I knew a lot about the internet, setting up websites. Um, in, you know, in terms of selling, it's really understanding the customer and the customer's need. You have to kind of put yourself in their shoes. And, you know, since I had a son that had asthma, really wanted to build something that worked and that worked properly. And so, you know, for me, it was, um, you know, since we had customer service in house, it was really talking with a lot of customers, understanding their challenges and what they're looking for and what works for them and just building that. It wasn't any like grand idea beyond that um, or any great insight. It's just solving customers' problems and, you know, speaking in the voice of the customer. And it just, it's a matter of just talking to people and finding out what is their problem and then how can you be the solution to their problem and, you know, rather than selling them, I hate selling to people, but I like providing solutions. I like solving problems. Um, and, and I kind of approach it that way. Um, there's, there's too many folks now, at least in our space since COVID, it's just like the number of brands and people coming out of the woodwork are incredible. And I don't think for, for many of them, they really even know what they're selling. They're just looking to sell product because there's interest in, in the category, but they don't really know what they're selling. Um, and they don't really know the, the needs, concerns, and wants of the customer. And so, um, for me, my recommendation is really understand, you know, who you're serving and how you're helping people and, and, you know, people want to work with other people. Um, and so, you know, that's, it's kind of like how we've done it kind of brick by brick, but in, you know, in the early days, it's, you know, we were e-commerce. Um, it's, you know, knowing how to set up the ads, you know, how to do it, um, cost effectively, you know, just measure everything. We use Google analytics. Um, you know, back then it was a lot cheaper to advertise, but, um, but now there's more options. And so it just, it continues to change and it's just understanding, um, the game and, you know, what you're selling and, um, and you've got to, I think you have to really like what you're doing. Otherwise, like who's going to put in the time and the effort, especially if in a competitive space, um, yeah. with some, you know, big names out there. And so, you know, I think it's possible, but I think it's, you know, providing a unique, um, perspective or really just, you know, meeting customers where they are and, you know, and helping them. That's, that's really, you know, we have, customer service and they answer the phone and, and people are like, Holy cow, we didn't think we'd even reach a person. Oh, and yeah. it's like the bar is so low. Yeah. Yeah. Talking <laughs> yeah. Like from a customer point of view, like, it is, Oh, you got to call them. Like, oh. <laughs> and once in a while you get one of those companies where somebody answers the phone and you're just like, Oh wow. Forgot what this yeah, was it's like. Just, it can be something that simple. You could have a me too product, but you actually like help the customer and solve their problems. They're like, great. You know, I, I can, I trust you. I can rely on you to take care of my problem. Sometimes that's, that's the differentiator. Yeah. 
Wow. And are mo- are all your customer service folks U.S. based? Yeah. Yeah, that's another big one too. Yeah, and they all have their products and use their products and, you know, and can relate. And so, you know, and it, it's kind of funny is, you know, some people just call because they want to talk to someone, which is like, okay. So, you know, we still talk to them. Um, Provide therapy. But <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I think so. Um, so it's interesting. You don't really know what you're, you're going to get into, but you know, for me, from the beginning, the one area I did not outsource was customer service because you have to maintain the relationship with the customer. I mean, that's that's really the most important thing, even more important than your product or what your service. Wow. So when you, when you're starting your business, like how much, do you still go back to some of the things you learned in the Navy, you know, when you were starting your business, um, were there any things infused in you at a young age in the Navy that, that you think helped, um, helped you with not just corporate America, but also getting into entrepreneurship and starting your own business? Yeah. I remember like we, I don't know if you did this to POA and M's plan of action and milestones. Uh, it's uh, like, yeah. like that thinking uh, yeah. in that structure, I think is really important. You know, um, you know, you have to have a plan, you have to put deadlines on it and you have to be able to execute against it. And it's, it's really no different in business. It's exactly the same thing, I think. And, um, otherwise you can kind of drift along and not really go anywhere or, you know, yeah, but if you really want to, wanna, you know, yeah. drive change, having that POA and M I think is, is critical. And yeah. it's also, um, you're dealing with people. Um, I remember when I was on the ship, you don't really choose who you're managing or you don't hire people. <laughs> you, you know, it's like, the team's the team. Right? Yeah, this, this so, what you got. And so you have to be able to work with all different kinds of people. It's the business world's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plan, of, act, plan yeah. of action and milestones. So yeah, yep, yeah. So talk about uh, talk about Aranzi's products. Like, what exactly are they, and how do you how do you implement? Them? Like, you put them on the you put them on the HVAC system, or are they just room things? What, what do we got here? Yeah. So right now we make portable HEPA air purifiers, but I'd say a year and a half ago, we merged with a motor company um, in Virginia. And that's why I I moved uh, back to Virginia. (laughs) And um, so we're really a motor technology company now. um, And we're in the process of reshoring our manufacturing to Virginia um, from overseas. So really excited about that. But we have a, you know, motor, you know, electric motor platform that we can really make almost anything with an electric motor. And we have all the engineers and folks in house to do that. So that's really what, what I'm excited about is yeah. so, you know, we'll continue to make, you know, HEPA air purifiers. Um, the thing that we've figured out is how to make products in the U S that work as well or better than the Chinese imports at the same or lower price, wow. which is, which is really that's crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. The challenge. And so it's all in the design of the product and, you know, our motor technology. Um, and so, um, yeah. So right now, if you went to our website, it's, it's portable air cleaners, but I think we get to a year from now, we'll be, you know, selling some other things. Yeah. And are you, um, are they involving, is it just a filter system or is it uh, got UV light? Yeah. So we just use, uh, like a HEPA filter, um, activated carbon. We don't, um, utilize any of the electrical electronic, um, filtration. They tend to, 
I don't know I, how to say this nicely. <laughs> it's really like if you want to clean the air, that's really what you need to do it effectively and safely. There's a number of other products that have pretty high marketing claims that don't really, you know, it does in testing. It doesn't do, yeah. um, it, you know, it's just, you know, features that you're selling, but it doesn't really produce the results. And so our focus is more on how do we drive costs down and deliver the results, you know, to provide better value. Um, so is ionization or ozone involved in, in what you guys do, what your filters are doing? No, no, we don't use any of that stuff. Ozone is, so ozone is really good if you need to, um, it's like what hotels use if they want to shock a room. Somebody smoked in a room and it's like, oh, we got this smoke odor and we need to get, but you don't want to breathe it in. It's a, it's a pollutant. It's a lung and uh, irritant. So you don't want ozone um, in a space that you're residing. It's like, if you had insects and you needed to do a, I don't know, like bug bomb or something yeah. <laughs> like that's kind of to me what ozone's like. And so it's like, it, it can work in specific situations, but you don't want to be in the room breathing any of that stuff in. It's, it's really? not good. And ionization is kind of a new buzzword. You know, if you go back, I don't know if you remember the sharper image ionic breeze. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So that, became huge and then consumer reports gave them the three black dots and said do not buy you know because it just doesn't test well yeah. and so that kind of killed them and now with covid there's a number of companies that have emerged kind of pushing the same thing it's like deja vu 20 years later right and it's you know you know but anyways within our space it, it's largely unregulated which kind of creates those kinds of issues and you can't see what a product's doing with your eyes. So it's like, how do you know? You can make whatever um, claims you want. Nobody's going to. Yeah. So the claims yet. are pretty crazy <laughs> yeah. from my perspective and I want to sleep at night. So we're going to just do things the right way. But you know, there are standards um, coming and you know, it's just, it's kind of a lengthy process to get there. But right now it's a bit of the wild west. That's interesting. Um, yeah. With air purifiers. Yeah. And then there's lawsuits now. So I think it's, I think it's, you're kind of rolling the dice with, you know, really strong marketing claims. I think it's, you know, it's always best just to be truthful and honest and, yeah. and really say what it can and can't do rather than making bold claims to sell more units and then regretting it later. Right. Yeah. Cause I would, my son's been in HVAC for a couple of years and installed residential HVAC, putting in air conditioner units and heaters and stuff like that. And they've, Oftentimes customers request those things to be installed, installed inside their HVAC unit. So he was, he's been telling me about it and um, had some ideas of his own. So that's why I was, that's where those questions were coming from. That's why I was curious what you had to say about that. So. Yeah, I would, I would say for an HVAC system, UV is, you know, can be very good because what happens is if you have standing water, that kind of is a breeding ground for mold and you yeah. don't want mold blowing throughout your house or your building. <laughs> And so UV is very good, but in a portable air cleaner, it's, it's a bit gimmicky because, you know, it only makes contact with the things as it's blowing by and it doesn't have enough contact time to, to do anything. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah. So, but in an HVAC system, it makes total sense. Um, the other difference is the portable air cleaners have their own self-contained fan. And so you can use a much um, higher grade filter than you can in an HVAC system. The HVAC systems, unfortunately, don't have enough um, airflow to, you know, move yeah. the air through a higher filter. So you end up, end up using 
a lower efficiency filter, which, you know, it's, which is good for, you know, keeping the equipment clean, but it's not as great for the folks in the yeah. space. <laughs> some of those filters you can buy at Home Depot or Lowe's to put on your HVAC system. I'm like, you put them on and it practically shuts, I mean, it practically shuts off the airflow on your H. Like, dude, the HVAC is working way too hard to push air through this thing. It just doesn't seem right. Um, right. Yeah. It creates a lot, a lot of, of stress. Filters a lot of the system, air which, too, or it prevents the air from going through it just as much as everything else. So, you right. know. Um, well, um, we're getting close to the end of our time. So if anybody is interested in, uh, some of the Aranzi products, I mean, I, you obviously have your own website. You care to share like how much your business is on Amazon versus, versus your own, uh, channels or, uh, you just out of curiosity. Yeah. So we, we, I don't know, we're maybe 20% Amazon. We've, we've always really focused on doing, uh, marketing ourselves and driving, you know, visitors to our site. I think Amazon could be a, a larger part going forward just because I don't know, they're 40 or 45% of the market. And, yeah. you know, Amazon loves to say, you know, people come to Amazon, search for products and check out on Amazon. So um, you, you kind of have to be in that game. One thing I would add is just to kind of um, that we do a little bit differently um, is that, you know, we don't do FBA anymore. We're just doing all our own fulfillment, which, you know, saves about 7%, which, you know, is pretty significant right. <laughs> cost yeah. savings. Um, you know, you can put that back in the ads or, you know, use it for something else. But um, since we have the ability to do all the fulfillment ourselves, um, you know, Amazon's going to charge whatever, you know, Amazon makes the rules and you have to play by. <laughs> so just, well, you know, there's not it. many yeah. options where you can kind of cut costs. Um, and so if, you know, I, so far we've not seen a drop in conversion rates or sales. Um, that's and so I think, I think that's good, but it's kind of a necessary evil. Um, <laughs> yeah. Trust me. I know the Amazon game. We were Amazon sellers for many years and we just got, I just couldn't take it anymore last year. So we yeah, I think, Amazon. I think if you're a customer of Amazon, you love it. I think if you're a vendor to Amazon, you, you have a completely different perspective on it. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like Amazon. I would, um, Amazon for me was like walking through a minefield and you didn't know you're in the minefield and you just walk along and every once in a while, boom, like, Oh my God, my arm's gone or my leg's gone. It's like, exactly. Yeah. There's <laughs> the no business is shut down today. There's no warning. It's just like the yeah. dials off. <laughs> Shoot first and figure it out later is what they do. So guilty yeah. until proven innocent. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So, um, all right. I'll give you the last word. Uh, I, I guess we, we find you on uh, com. Yep. It's O-R-A-N-S-I.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, kind of doing a lot, a lot there. But, um, you know, I'd say for anyone that's looking to get into, you know, entrepreneurship or start a business is, um, you know, it's to me, you know, you know, working as a 50 or 60 year game, you don't have to crush it the first year. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's a, in some ways, you know, can feel like it's about survival, but, you know, there are opportunities. Um, and I think the military does give a unique skill set in terms of perseverance, dealing with adversity, you know, working with different types of folks. And I think all of that, you know, is, is really a, a benefit, um, you know, in running a business. It's really not, you know, it, it's really not that much different than, than, than being in the military other than, really have to focus on who your customer is and how can you best serve them. 
That's awesome. Hey, well, couldn't have said it better myself. So appreciate that, that finale there. Um, great advice. And, uh, yeah, congratulations, man. Like you've made, you've become a successful entrepreneur and, uh, um, it's, that's the ultimate end game for what we talk about here on the podcast. So, uh, look forward to seeing your future success and, uh, call it a wrap. All right. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks. These two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike. <laughs>